This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. Uh, so this month of January, we have been uh, journeying through a sermon series uh, simply called uh, How to Be Friends. Uh, and our hope has been uh, that as we discuss what it means to be a people who follow Jesus, uh, who seek to be disciples of Christ, uh, that we see that in practical ways through a lens of friendship. In fact, Jesus, when he describes what discipleship is, he describes it uh, very particularly in John uh, 15. And he talks about this idea, and I'm actually going to begin there this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can flip with me to John 15. We're going to be reading from verse 12. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples and sharing uh, with them uh, what it means to be people who are deeply connected uh, to the love of God. He's sharing what it means to be a people who seek the source. This is following the passage in scripture about the vine and the branches and what it means to be a followers of God disciples of God is to be completely linked to to abide in uh, this connection to the source of life the vine and he comes out of this metaphor and he speaks very plainly and this is what he says in John 15 beginning with verse 12 he says this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you No one has greater love than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands that you may love one another. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. For Jesus, the essence of discipleship, the essence of following Jesus, was rooted in this idea of friendship. Friendship was the thing that he used to describe this link between people. Uh, This morning, uh, we're going to continue this conversation uh, through a lens of a book that we've been reading, and I just want to simply reference it for a moment. Uh, the book is called uh, Surprise the World, uh, Five Habits of Missional People. And I, I know several of you are reading this book along with us, and, and where we are in this book is it uses an acrostic uh, called BELLS, B-E-L-L-S. And we began this conversation around what it means to be a people who when we live intentionally as Christ followers, we live to bless people. Uh, We live to offer ourselves as Christ offered himself to us. We we abundantly bless. Uh, We eat together. It's one of my favorite things about being a Methodist pastor. I mean, loving people and caring for people and teaching the scripture and eating together, which is what Jesus was known for. Uh, Just just so you know, it's it's, it's really because I just want to be like Jesus, and he was known for eating. That's one of the things. Uh, We listened to each other. A couple weeks ago, we talked about James chapter 1, what it means to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Uh, what it means to pay attention to how much we speak and listen and that ratio in our own lives. And today, we are shifting to that fourth letter, the second L, which is to learn. And when Michael Frost talks about what it means to learn, he calls us and compels us to be a people, if we are to be like Jesus, we are to learn and to know Jesus. We are to learn from the life of Jesus, to learn and model the life Jesus lived. Uh, He says this as sort of a critique of the modern day church he says my concern is that many christians seem to have developed merely a passing knowledge of the gospels 
what I call Jesus' greatest hits. His birth, his death, his resurrection, a few miracles, and a couple of parables. But if we are to figure out what Jesus would want us to think, be, and do here and now, we must know the gospel forward and backward. Frost says if we are to be a people who truly model discipleship, who truly model this life of Christ, we have to know what Scripture says. We have to know the Gospels. We need to know the stories of Jesus, the the essence of Jesus. We have to learn about his life and his friendships and learn how he related to people. It's part of why we are so intentional here every week about passing out Scripture cards uh, with daily readings. Because we want to be in a rhythm where we are constantly in God's Word, learning God's character, learning God's patterns so that we too might be a people who reflect those uh, in our lives. And it really comes down to knowing Christ for Frost, and I think it does for us, that for us to be friends with Christ, for us to be disciples of Christ, we must know Jesus like we would know one of our best friends. We must be in relationship with Jesus as if we were in relationship with one of our best friends. And so this morning, we're going to learn from his pattern. And to do that, I want to actually begin uh, with an exercise that we did with our staff uh, this past Wednesday. Our staff team gathers every Wednesday for all, uh, all staff worship and devotional. And we began that time by asking them to do a simple exercise. I'm going to ask you guys to do it this morning with me. And that's just to take a moment, and I want you to think of five close friends. Five people who either you call a friend, maybe who calls you a friend. If you have trouble figuring out five, don't worry. I do too sometimes. We're going to do our best. <laughs> So just take a moment. I'll give you 10 seconds. Think of five close friends. If you want to write it down in your bulletin, you can do that as well. We'll come back to these five friends again and again. Got your friends? All right. So here's some questions. The first question is I want you to think through those five friends and ask yourselves, how did you first become friends with those people? How did you first meet them or, or develop a friendship? You know, maybe it was you went to school with them or lived close by to them. So maybe it's perhaps proximity, you worked with them. Maybe it was a conversation or you were introduced to them by someone. Or maybe you liked them so much that you married them. Some of you are going back to your list and now inserting your spouse. Just, that's just a hint. <laughs> if, if you wrote it down, you should, have, you should have made sure that their name was on the list. That's just... Just a hint, as someone who's been married for almost 15 years, that's an important one to have on there. (laughs) Perhaps it's a history. Maybe you've shared life's joys and sufferings together. Why are you still friends? Why are you still friends with these five people? What, What compels you to continue these relationships? Again, maybe it's you share common interests or hobbies. Maybe you care about the same sports teams, and so you cheer when certain sports teams beat other sports teams. I'm not going to say any sports teams that won or lost this weekend because I value your friendship. <laughs> I may have worn a particular color tie that you can deduce later. We'll just, we won't go there. <laughs> Perhaps, again, you're still friends with them because you're married to them. Again, that should be in your list, just, just to be clear. <laughs> As you think about these five friends, what do you know about these friends? Do you know who their parents are? Who their siblings are? Perhaps who their children are? Perhaps you know their their favorite food or you know uh, what they don't like to eat. 
Perhaps you know their joys, their frustrations, their celebrations, their heartache. See, friendship for us, deep abiding friendship, is a place where at its best, we both know and are known deeply by the other. Where we celebrate and suffer together. Where what breaks their heart breaks our hearts. And I believe when Jesus talks about what it means to be a friend, to be a friend of Jesus, to be in relationship with God this way, it is where our hearts continually align in a way where that becomes true of us as well. Where we know Jesus so well, we know the stories and the values of Christ so well that what breaks God's heart breaks our heart. What gives God joy gives us joy. This is, I think, the essence of discipleship. And when we talk about what it means to be friends, how we are to be friends, I believe this is what God is calling us to. And so as we learn about Jesus this morning, I actually want to look at a couple places that Jesus modeled this for us, uh, this essence of friendship. So we're going to begin again uh, in Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 20. And so if you, have, if you have a Bible with you, you want to open up the few Bibles that are in your pews this morning. Or if you have a Bible app, I invite you to open with me to Mark uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 16 through 20. This is early in Jesus' ministry, and he is uh, at a place where he has just sort of transitioned from one season of life to the next. He was just baptized by John the Baptist, who was probably uh, one of the earliest of his friends. He was a second cousin, likely, uh, who... uh, was sharing this good news in the wilderness, and Jesus goes to him, is baptized by him. And then he begins this transition. I'm actually going to begin in verse 14, then we'll continue with 16 and following. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And then verse 16, As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, uh, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. I'm going to pause right there. Uh, A friend of mine who's a pastor in Raleigh, his name is Justin Morgan, uh, he looked at this passage and preached about it several months ago and said, uh, this is like one of the the most like dad joke-esque lines in all of scripture. Like Jesus uses this very funny pun here where he says, you know, for they were fishermen, and now I will call you fishers of men. And Justin said, if you were trying to meet somebody, he would not suggest this approach. Uh, but for whatever reason, for Jesus, it works. So we're just going to keep going. By the way, sort of side note, one of the ways that pastors get out of telling jokes they're not, they don't know is going to work or not is they just tell it's somebody else's joke, and then that way, if it falls flat, you don't blame me, you blame Justin, because he just wasn't that good. And so I'll just tell him later that y'all didn't like his joke. We'll just go from there. <laughs> verse 18 and immediately they left their nets and followed him as he went a little farther he saw James son of Zebedee and his brother John who were in their boat mending their nets immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and they followed him Jesus begins to call these disciples these brothers these fishermen who he drew out of where they were and then moved them into a new season of life These became his closest friends. They're the ones who journeyed with him and who walked with him, who heard him teach. They watched him relate to people. They became the ones who further along in ministry and in life 
begin to be the ones on which the church is built. See, before this moment in history, there are exactly zero Christ followers. There are zero Christians. After this point in history, these four men and the ones that would follow would build a movement that today, over two billion people in our world claim to be Christ followers. But it started with friendship. It started with relationship with a few people that grew over three years. And if you've been reading scripture with us on our scripture cards, you read yesterday uh, the story of them gathered on a shoreline, again fishing, where now the risen Christ comes to them and invites them into this new movement on which the church is built. Uh, one of the ways that Michael Frost invites us to, uh, to, sh- to learn this story is to read the Gospels. And if you've never read the Gospel of Mark, uh, he suggests it takes about 90 minutes for most of us. And I would encourage you, this is a great place to start. Uh, Mark is very action-packed. It is, everything happens immediately. And so you tell a bad joke and immediately people come with you. You, you invite folks and immediately they come and you, you do these things and immediately they move. It is, it's amazing and fast and quick. But you can learn so much about the life of Christ in this place. I want to jump a little further. Then we're going to go to John chapter 4. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And look at a different kind of friendship. So this is John chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized. He left Judea and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city named Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. I'm going to show a map in a minute. John, you pull that map up. If you don't know this region, this is the region of uh, where Galilee and Judea and Samaria all exist. And, and if you remember the stories we preached last summer from the book of Daniel, you'll remember uh, that the Jewish people were taken into exile. Uh, they were taken by the Assyrians first and then by the Babylonians. And this region in Samaria was a place where either the remnant folks who had remained or those that have gone and come back uh, intermarried, many of them, with the Assyrian people. And so you began to see in Samaria a group of folks that were not fully Jewish. They were outsiders. Uh, They were typically multiracial. They uh, had a different religion. They they practiced the religion of the Jews as well as the religion of the pagans in Assyria. Uh, They spoke uh, often a different dialect. And so it was very uncommon and very uh, outside of Jewish tradition for Jesus or any Jew uh, to engage a Samaritan. Uh, The second taboo that we face here is that not only was she a Samaritan, she was a woman. And you as a Jewish man would never be caught alone with a woman uh, at a well in the afternoon. It's just not a place you would be. And so in two instances, Jesus begins to break down boundaries that would have been looked upon very poorly by those around him. And the Samaritan woman knew this. She knew she was not a normal relationship for this Jewish man. She did not know who he was, but she knew this would not be common. When the disciples re-engage a few verses later, we can flip to verse 27. They also knew this. It says, Just then his disciples came, 
and they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman. But of course, no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? But then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. And she said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. By Jesus crossing boundaries, Jesus demonstrated for us this radical hospitality of friendship. What it means to choose to be a people who seek out the other, who actually offer, he set aside his own power and privilege and prestige to go to a place that would not have been a normal place to go. And in that interaction, in that relationship, she experienced something that caused her to go back to her friends and to invite them out to come see what she had seen. In a relationship that was unique, that was strange, that might be awkward, they experienced a kind of radical love that not only changed and transformed this woman, but changed and transformed the city she was from. We jump ahead a little further to verse 39. and It says, Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. For he told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This woman who uh, did not belong in that relationship, this friendship that began at a well in Samaria that engaged with deep questions that were hard questions to engage. If you read the rest of the scripture that we did not read this morning, you will see that he probed into her personal life in a way that drew out some hard, hard things. But it was in that, in that risk, in that place that Jesus invited folks to experience him. And then she went and drew her friends to that place. Sometimes it is through boundary breaking, through seeking those types of conversation that we get to invite through relationship people to see a new way of being. And that we ourselves might be transformed as we encounter people unlike us. What a gift. Uh, This morning, I actually want to introduce you to a friend of mine. Uh, We've had the privilege of of knowing uh, Lloyd. Many of you may know Lloyd. Lloyd worships with us primarily at our 935 worship service in Contemporary. And Lloyd has been worshiping with us for about 10 years. And a few months ago, Lloyd asked me, he says, I want to say thank you to our church and to our church family. And so we recorded a a video. The video was about four and a half minutes long. You're going to see a portion of it this morning. But I hope what you'll see in this video and in this thank you that Lloyd has offered, a glimpse of what strange, unique friendships may do for all of us. Let's watch. I want to introduce you guys uh, to a friend of mine. Uh, This is Lloyd. Uh, Lloyd has been worshiping with our church for a long time. and has been asking me for months uh, to be able to say just a few words uh, of thanks uh, to our church family. Uh, Lloyd, I wanted to start uh, by just asking you, how long have you been worshiping uh, with our church? I've been worshiping 10 years. 10 years. That's great. Well, I would, I would walk around the uh, neighborhood or whatever, and I was trying to find find a church to suit me. I ran into a I ran into a church or whatever that had a ten dollar line, a twenty dollar line, a forty dollar line. I don't go for that mess or whatever. 
I, I just don't go for that mess or whatever. And then I came here or whatever. And everybody greeted me just like I was a millionaire. I get a ride to my AA meeting or whatever after after the service. And um, I, I ain't failed or whatever to get to my get to my AA AA service. And I just think I just think it. it this church is great, or whatever. I've never been part of nothing like this. I've come to know Lloyd over the last several years, and I got a chance to know his story and learned about the loss that he's experienced, the loss of family. Uh, Lloyd lives here in a group home here in Apex with several other adult men. Uh, the addiction that he suffered. Uh, the ways that he has found freedom from that addiction over the course of the last decade or more. I've learned about the challenges, the unique challenges he has faced and the ways that he has sought relationship out of places and people that have constantly uh, failed him. And I learned that even long before I was here, uh, this church was a place that Lloyd walked in one day 10 years ago, and as he shared the video, and I'd never heard this before, I had him explain it to me later, so he said, you know, I've gone to a $10 line, a $20 line, a $40 line. I didn't know what that meant. So I said, Lloyd, what does that mean? He goes, well, it's when the preacher greets you based on how much you give. <laughs> I said, that's new to me, Lloyd. Maybe I should try that. No, I'm just, just kidding. Uh, and I love, love how Lloyd expressed what it meant to walk into this place. He said, I walked in and this church made me feel like a millionaire. See, Lloyd, for me, has been one of those unique friendships that have taught me more about the character of God. See, Lloyd has given me a lens by which to understand God's amazing grace, God's abundant offering, and what friendships and radical hospitality that welcome all people into a place regardless of race or creed or belief or even being whole, what it means to welcome them here and to experience the wholeness of God that, 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 that just maybe God has that for me too. Just maybe there's a God who, who, who may choose with his radical love to, to set aside divinity, to break in this world as a child and become human for our sake because we are worth it. Not because of what we can give or, or what we're worth in this world's standards, but because God sees in each of us not only a child of God, but someone worthy to call friend. I mean, that's the gospel. So this morning, I want to close uh, with uh, two more questions. And one is, is a question that I want you to go back to that list of five friends that you've had in your mind uh, this morning. And I want you to ask you, if people from the outside looked at your relationship with these friends, would they consider any of them unique or strange or awkward to not make sense by the world's standards? Or do any of them, are any of them a different ethnicity than you are? A different gender? Perhaps there's a large age gap that, that is part of those friendships. Are they different marital status? Do they have kids or no kids? Do they come from a different socioeconomic background, growing up very wealthy or very poor? Do they have a different political affiliation? Are we in relationships with folks that by Jesus' standards might look strange? 
See, for this woman at the well, she was all of these other things. She was a different ethnicity, a different religion, a different gender, a different status. For Jesus, that is how he modeled friendship. For Jesus, friendship was all about breaking down boundaries that the culture has built in order to invite folks into a new life with God. That's the model we have for friendship. That's the model we have in Christ. And my challenge and my hope for us as we try to model what it means to be Christ-like friends to a world is that we too would seek friendships that draw us out of our boundaries, out of our comfort zones, that we would be in relationship with people that might change us, and that through those relationships they might too be introduced to, while maybe imperfect, an imperfect reflection of the perfect God. That is my hope and my prayer.